Blog Talk Radio. Charles Koch of the well-known conservative Koch Brothers duo has a somewhat surprising take on criminal justice reform, as in, he wants some, which is very surprising. Uh, what, may not, what some may not realize is that Koch is actually a libertarian, so opposition to things like mandatory minimum sentencing actually fits in with his political beliefs. Now, what makes this so interesting is that the GOP is usually opposed to changes or a loosening of the law when it comes to law, things like law and order. However, it seems that the leaders of the party are recognizing a need for change. Uh, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, he's a former federal prosecutor, he has called for an end to the failed war on drugs and signed in some legislation that sent some offenders to rehab instead of prison. Uh, Texas Governor Rick Perry is a well-known prison reform advocate and has said the following, you want to talk about real conservative governance? Shut prisons down, save that money. Look at that, an economic argument. I know, why not? Hey, whatever works, right? Uh, there seems definitely to be a newfound recognition that this uh, is a problem and that throwing people in jail is not necessarily the answer. As we've seen time and time again, putting people in jail doesn't necessarily uh, improve society all that much. Recidivism rates have not dropped. In it. There are a whole slew of studies that have proven that our path, at least in criminal justice, has not necessarily been the right one. The criminal justice system must be fixed, but the reality is criminal justice, our criminal justice system is a tail-end issue. It says we as a society have decided to place everything else we don't want to deal with in the criminal justice system. So, poverty, bad education systems, no opportunities in these communities, no jobs, that type of thing, whatever it is, homelessness, it all ends up in the criminal justice system. So we can fix the criminal justice system, but we need to fix these other issues. And hopefully, if we can work together with a broad coalition on this, we can do it in the other areas as well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And folks, I'll tell you what, it is 2016, and I'll tell you right now that uh, there are some things happening that are going to get ready to take off here on AJC Radio. Tonight we have a special program, uh, and we will be dealing with Charles and David Koch uh, of, the, of Koch Industries that are making a difference on criminal justice reform. And I'll tell you right now, folks, this is a humdinger. Hang in there, folks. We're coming right back with you here on AJC Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Lisa Stewart, and uh, Dennis Merritt, welcome tonight, folks. How are you folks doing? Doing great, Lamont. How are you? Doing good. Hey, Lamont, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And I'll tell you what, Dennis, uh, uh, Cliff, Lisa, we got some good things going on. Uh, and there are some things happening uh, that we are getting ready to actually make a change uh, here at AJC Radio. When you say, Lamont, what does that mean? Well, folks, that means the turkeys put up for another year. The ham's on vacation until Easter. But uh, guess what? 2016 has some humdingers. And I'll tell you right now, the, con- the continued fight for justice is going to happen. And, uh, Dennis, as we have been talking prior to the show, uh, 2016 aims to be a big one, doesn't it? 
Oh, no doubt, no doubt. It's all about, you know, righting the wrong, making sure people are more educated about the injustice that we deal with on a constant in this system. No, without question, Dennis. And that, that again, we've, we've, we've actually had some events uh, that have actually happened uh, since we have been on, on the Christmas break and all of those things. And, folks, uh, it is mind-boggling. And before we went on, on, on break and the holiday season and all that stuff, there were some very troubling things going on in the country uh, as far as, uh, as, far as uh, cr- criminal justice, as far as police uh, brutality continuing, people dying at the hands of cops again. It, the, we thought, you know, if you think the holiday season brings an end to injustice, it just doesn't work that way. And uh, those are things, uh, Cliff, Lisa, that, uh, that we're going to be dealing with uh, here. Uh, the president has been busy. We're going to talk about his uh, uh, new uh, executive uh, order dealing with gun control, yes. uh, all of those things that are going to make America safe. And it's a shame when you live in a country where politics tends to outweigh the important issues and the important decisions that have to be made. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And we're going to be dealing with those. Lisa, a disclaimer for the people, please. <coughs> Sure, we want to just remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide any legal advice. you want to contact your own personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend some time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Lisa. And as we said at the top of the hour uh, of the show, that uh, Mr. Mark Holden, uh, Lisa, you and I had an opportunity to sit down uh, and talk with Mr. Holden. Uh, he is the uh, attorney lead counsel for the Coke Industries, uh, as well as uh, vice president uh, of Coke Industries. Yes. Uh, but he is the voice, if you will, the mouthpiece for Charles and David Coke on criminal justice reform. Yes, and a very effective mouthpiece. He had a lot, a lot of good things to say. They're really, they're doing, a, they're doing a lot of, a lot of good things. The things that he was talking about surprised me for an organization of that magnitude, of that size, to be concerned with. The everyday, the everyday man, the people that have that have gone to prison, the people that have either been convicted wrongfully or have got, made a made a bad choice and are trying looking for a second chance. The way that they're out there trying to give people another chance, it's just it was just astounding to me that they're willing to do that. And uh, I mean, people that are have risen to that level, they don't usually care Absolutely. that much about people. Okay, and Lisa, no, without question. And uh, I, honestly, as we were sitting down interviewing uh, Mark, uh, Mr. Holden. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, these people mean business, uh, but they're not just talking the talk, they're walking the walk. You yes, find that when they say, and I don't, I don't want to let the cat out the bag, so to speak, uh, in regards to the interview. We're going to let you folks hear that, but the things that he was saying, uh, Dennis Cliff uh, and, and, and the audience out here tonight, is, is astounding. The chances and the opportunities he is willing to give, it, it, it speaks to what Department of Corrections is supposed to be. And that's about second chances. And he made that statement, Lisa, in that interview. We're about giving people a second chance. We're about making people make, uh, make a difference uh, and give them an opportunity not to return back to prison. We're going to deal with all of that here shortly. Uh, so hang in there, folks, with us. And we are very excited. Cliff, uh, Dennis, uh, we're very excited to be back here at the first show of AJC Radio for 2016. It gives you the chills a little bit as we know the year ahead has great things ahead for us, and, and we intend to bring a lot of good things uh, to the listeners out there tonight uh, across the United States. And Cliff, uh, looking dapper as ever, uh, welcome back as well. Uh, your thoughts as we get ready to kick off for 2016? Well, I think one of the uh, things with this show tonight is 
the thing that stands out to me about um, the about the the Cokes is that uh, Charles and his brother, you know, they're doing more common sense things that you find in a lot of the lawmakers. I mean, uh, their initiatives are saying, hey, this is this is about common sense. If 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 the same people who are locked up now, if they had been sentenced, if they had been sentenced with today's laws, right. they would not still be in prison. Let them out. It makes absolutely no sense for them to continue to uh, have to serve time in these uh, long sentences that make no sense, and as well as the overcriminalization of such small, nonviolent uh, crimes. It's totally ridiculous, and I'm glad yep. that we uh, we have the chance to to hear what their thoughts are on that. No, and and, and uh, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on that. And uh, folks, uh, uh, let's listen to us very carefully. Uh, that one thing is for certain that's going on here in America right now: uh, the criminal justice reform movement, and I want to call it that. Uh, it is a movement now trying to take hold. At least uh, it has crossed all partisan lines, uh, and and folks, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Libertarians, whatever. You, affiliation you may be with, people are very much aware that this is a ongoing issue in this country, and there needs to be not talk about it anymore. Action has to happen, and these are things that uh, we, we intend to deal with. And folks, I'm telling you, the interview was awesome. Uh, you're going to enjoy that. Uh, and again, uh, coming up shortly, uh, we'll be dealing with uh, uh, Mr. Mark Holden. Uh, he is Vice President of Operations and Counsel for the Colt Brothers and namely, uh, the, vet more, uh, the mouthpiece, if you will, Lisa, for Charles and David, yeah. who are individually passionate uh, about criminal justice reform. And we're going we're gonna to get into all that. It's going to be a great show. And uh, right now, I think we're going to go into a couple of things happening in the news right now. Uh, and one thing in particular, President Obama today. Uh, oh, gosh. Did you hear him speaking this morning? I, I saw it. I was moved. Uh, the emotion of the president, the commander-in-chief, uh, trying to do his best. Uh, to implement change as children and people across this country continue to die uh, at, at the expense of a bullet, if you will, and guns that are out of control. And, and one point was made today, uh, and it's, it's amazing to me, the president, we've never seen him on that fashion. Yeah. Uh, with that emotion, and they, he got really teared up talking about the children uh, that had been killed uh, uh, late last year uh, in another a senseless act of violence, uh, and, and, and I think he made a good point, Lisa. Uh, a lot of the people on the right make this statement, that President Obama intends to go into your garage and take your weapons from you, uh, thus violating the Second, second Amendment right uh, to bear arms. However, his plan today did no such thing. No, it did not. It spoke directly to, look, and he, he's a realist. He said, I cannot stop every senseless act that happens. On our streets and in our cities, but I can be and do, I can do something as commander in chief to take a step to uh, at least do something to save some lives. Right. We'll never save all of them because where you got illegal activity on the streets, guns are always going to be available. Right. But he has an obligation, Dennis, uh, as commander in chief, uh, to do his best to keep America safe. And he made a good point, and I thought the analogy was good. He said, if we can keep our children from twisting off the caps of medication to protect them, Come on. then why can't we do that on a trigger of a gun? Exactly. exactly. I mean, your thoughts on that, Dennis, as a former, uh, as a so former soldier uh, in our armed forces? I, I, truly, I truly believe in the right to bear arms, but 
I understand exactly where the president was coming from. I mean, we got to be realistic. I mean, we're not trying to take uh, weapons out of people's hands. We're just trying to make sure that people with disabilities and, and that have already been proven to, uh, you know, not deserve the right to carry that weapon, don't get that weapon. So, And I'm telling you, it was touching. I, I, I could honestly say that I truly saw what he was saying, and I hope our gun owners actually listen to what he said. And, and, and that way we can dispel the lies that it's all about taking gun out of our citizens' hands. That's not what it's about. It's about making sure that the wrong citizens or, or those that are not citizens get a hold of weapons and, and take take out uh, our family members and our children. But I'm telling you, that that was the speech. I enjoyed it. No, no, absolutely. And it, it you know what they said for the first time, uh, the President Obama never veers from the teleprompter uh, during his speeches. And this he one, today. <laughs> he veered completely uh, in a good, and to me, in a good way. He showed the human side of, of the president. And, uh, you know, they they talked all about the tears, the tears, the tears. Well, this, you know what, if you got a president that can't cry. That's right. And show emotion, it gives, it raises question, does he care? Uh, to me, he showed that. And uh, He's he, a human being. And they want you to act, they want him to act like he's not a human being. He's a human being like everyone else. Everyone should be moved and bothered by the fact that children are being, are dying in the streets because of these guns are just running rampant. That should bother everyone. And how do you stay on script? It's impossible. Well, you can't stay I mean, on those trip. emotions. I mean, when you yeah. start talking about Sandy Hook and, and those children's lives, not only Sandy Hook, I mean, we, we, we've had many incidents in our country now where, uh, you know, they got automatic weapons. And, and, you know, come on. I mean, how do you stay on script? It's impossible. That's right. No, no, without question. And I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, we, you know, we've had a time of festivities, of opening gifts. Eating some uh, grandma's favorite apple pie uh, and perhaps some turkey and homemade dressing, as they call it. But I'll tell you what, we have a feast going on here at AJC Radio, and it has nothing to do with uh, any type of food of any kind. But I'll tell you what, uh, the feast is is that justice and the search for Lady Justice will continue here on AJC Radio. And I'll tell you, you know, President Obama, we commend you tonight. Uh, for the steps you've taken to keep America safe uh, and to keep us on point that there are things that have to be done. And, I, and this is one point, Lisa, I thought was critical in this story today, uh, is that, that, you know, you have people, I believe it was Speaker, uh, House Speaker uh, Paul Ryan, uh, came out with a statement opposing the president. Uh, before the president was ever done speaking, Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, uh, right at the end of it, if you will, it showed up on the screen so quick in opposition. Uh, to me, my point is this. At the end of the day, this is about keeping America safe. Exactly. That's the bottom line. If it comes down to politics, and, you know, the bottom line is, let him say what he wants, let the president speak. And what he had to say had nothing to do with the response from the speaker. Exactly. Had nothing to do uh, the speaker spoke not – he didn't speak anything in reference to what the president said because it lets you know it was a prepared or canned uh, response. And to me, ladies and gentlemen of America, we have to become outraged with this type of nonsense. You're telling me – I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Liberal. If your kid is in the street and dies at, by the hand of a criminal who has a gun that he should never have been able to attain. There is no party line uh, uh, attached to that little boy or that little girl. 
This is a human being. This is an American who's been killed senselessly. Let's get down to the bottom line. And the bottom line is, is that no matter what the president does, it seems to be they're going to challenge him regardless. That's right. So we commend the president for taking. There's a reason executive action is allowed uh, under the law. Sometimes you got to do it. Now, if it wasn't something that was allowed, it wouldn't be in place. Exactly. There had to be some sense by the folks that made sure that happened that there was going to be opposition, that there was going to be issues, that there was going to be conflicts, if you will. There's a reason that's there. And him, President Obama, as the commander-in-chief, has the power to say, look, if you refuse to work with me, Congress, exactly. then I, am, I have an obligation. The people elected me to protect this nation. That is critical that we pay attention to that. And uh, as you think about that, folks, pay attention to the news. Pay attention to what the president is saying. Uh, this is his last year uh, in office he has an obligation, and he's running. I'm talking, and he's running fast, and I commend the president uh, uh, for what he's doing. Um, I believe there was some other news that was actually going on uh, in regards to uh, the fight against ISIS. Uh, that's also in the headlines now. Um, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that the gentleman, they had a gentleman actually making another threat uh, uh, in ISIS, uh, I guess with the same British accent of the uh, of the gentleman they thought they had killed in, or I believe, in the Middle East. Uh, and there's questions whether he's dead or not now because the video that just released was very similar uh, to uh, uh, to the gentleman that we thought we had annihilated, if you will, and, and t- taken out of the position of power to kill more to, to kill more people. But I'll tell you this: this this is what makes it very very critical. Uh, Dennis and Cliff, and Lisa, I'm sure you've seen this in the news: uh, a man in New York City arrested. Uh, plotting to do a, a to have an attack on New York City, a restaurant of some sort, uh, that and he was in connection with an ISIS operative uh, right in New York City. Uh, and what puzzles me is that we still hear from the Department of Homeland Security that there is no immediate threat to the country. How does that make any sense? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. I think their goal is just trying to make sure that nobody's panicked, nobody's freaking out. Just keep telling people that there's no threat. Keep telling them that there's no threat going on. No, it's no real threat. It's no real threat until something blows up. And the thing is, that is so unreasonable because you look at, from the time of 9-11, there has been threat after threat after threat. They they don't want to tell the American people until they say, okay, well, we've uh, we've diffused this threat or, you know, we, we've basically caught some people. But the ones that we don't know about, it, those are the ones that are causing us the issues. Uh, I mean, and, right. and you look at, you know, go back on the gun control thing. Ever since Columbine here in Colorado, Columbine High School, when those two kids shot up sure. the school, we have still been having the same debate about gun control. It's like, okay, it's time make a decision. It's time to stop debating, stop discussing, make a decision. And that's what the president did today. He said, hey, you guys won't do anything. You can't come to a conclusion. I'm going to do it for you. Take executive action because it's all about protecting the children. No, no, and, and, and good point on that, Cliff. And, and these are things that... Uh, that we have to definitely pay attention to, uh, that America is at risk. And if you have gu- if gun control is out of control, and folks, we have no order, uh, we seem to be moving to a place in this country that on every side and every place that we turn, there's danger. Uh, these are things, and President Obama ma- made mention of the killings in Chicago, on the streets every day mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. People are dying. Uh, and it shouldn't matter what your social status is. 
should not matter what your economic, what your political status is. Uh, all lives matter. That's and right. what we are seeing a increase in is black lives being taken suddenly off the streets in our country. This is something we got to look at, folks, coming up as we get ready to take off as 2016 kicks off here at AJC Radio. Uh, Charles and David Koch, pioneers, if you will, of justice and criminal justice reform. Their story is compelling. It is informative. We're going to dig into it when we get back. Folks, hang in there. I would like to tell you to go outside and enjoy some sunshine and some warm temperatures. However, we find ourselves in the month of January. And I'll tell you right now, it's a little frigid. Hang in there, folks. We're coming back here on AJC Radio as we search and bring the message of justice all around the world. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252 that is a just cause and we fight for justice again call a just cause today don't delay call 1-855-529-4252 it is time and I say high time that we take America's incarceration seriously won't you join us? Call today. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we are kicking off 2016 with a bang as we are in search for answers, Dennis, to a, uh, a major problem in this country right now, and that is criminal justice reform is on the thoughts, it's on the forefront, it's on the desktops, if you will, of members of Congress of things to do uh, in this uh, 2016 session of Congress. Uh, there's a lot going on in criminal justice reform, uh, and there's a lot that needs to continue to happen. Uh, momentarily, we are going to be going uh, here in a few minutes to an interview with Mark Holden. He is Vice President of Operations of Coke Industries, as well as Legal Counsel uh, for the Coke, uh, Coke, excuse me, for Coke Industries. But he's also the mouthpiece, if you will, uh, that is speaking on behalf of Charles and David Coke, who have took it upon themselves uh, to make a difference uh, in criminal justice reform and to fight for that. And they have the resources, uh, uh, Dennis, to actually make that change. Uh, as we have been talking about Charles and David Koch, uh, they are to be respected uh, for what they are doing. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, as Lisa, we said earlier, talking to uh, Mr. Holden, uh, very well-spoken gentleman that means and believes in what Charles and David Koch are doing. And, yes. and I'll say this uh, to Charles and David Koch out there, if you're listening tonight, uh, you probably couldn't, couldn't find a better person or ambassador, if you will, for your agenda uh, other than Mark Holden. He is a man that is uh, making a difference, getting the word out about the passions of Charles and David Koch uh, as they have sought to revolutionize, Lisa, the criminal justice system. Yes, and we're not have. just talking about making a couple of changes here and there. No. They're talking about making an impact uh, that shakes the very foundation of America's criminal justice system that we have all learned uh, over a period of time it has completely fallen off and broke uh, apart. Dennis, as we get into this shortly, um, how important is it? And we, Lisa, also, and Dennis, I'm going to come right back to you. Lisa, we talk a lot about people in Hollywood, people who have the platform to speak, those folks out there that people are listening to that have the resources to right. say, look, I believe in this. Yep. Something has to happen. We find a shortage, if you will, of those with the influence and with the voice to speak. They have gone silent. Yeah. Uh, that's something that cannot be tolerated. And I, I, I made mention uh, of uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, a lady who everybody in America knows. Uh, and I grew up watching her on TV and, and her show and and boy, people, I mean, stocks change. Uh, products sell uh, uh, at just at the mention of Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's name. Uh, and I was sharing uh, uh, this week um, the fact that where is her voice for the lives in Chicago? This is Chicago put Oprah Winfrey on the map. Exactly. They did that. Where are the vocal, where are the voices? Not only Oprah Winfrey, many celebrities. Where are you? Well, when you look at you look at celebrity as a whole, and what you find out is that, especially among black celebrities, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. Once they per se make it out of the field, and they get to the house, <laughs> it's like I'm not going back out in that field. You can say what you want to, you can cry out as much as you want to. I'm not going back out there to bake in the sun and be beat like a field slave. That is the mentality that. If it if it affects my money and my well-being, my reputation or whatever 
their opinion or 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 their thought process like well if i cry out about violence against blacks by law enforcement it might affect some acting deals i'll get so they don't take a stand against it uh, like you said with oprah winfrey the the only thing you can think is like okay well you started a school for these girls in another country said that you were concerned about their way of being and you were concerned about the fact that they weren't getting the education that they should have. Well, what about the people here at home in America? That's right. Black kids who, I mean, when you look at Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old boy, gets shot down by the police. They bring no indictment, no charge. It says, the police, you're talking about a cop that jumps out of his car and within three seconds he has shot this kid how many times? Who had, who had a pellet gun? He had a pellet gun. like, did you even jump out and say, hey, drop the weapon, you're a kid? And the wow. dispatcher had told him, we're pretty certain this is a BB gun, but if you're looking for a little black kid to go kill, he's down at the park with a fake gun. Wow. Have, have your free reign. But you look at the black celebrity and yep. the fact that they, they on a, as a whole, some of them, they do speak out and they, they take up, you know, they do rally against something. But on a whole, they do not, if it's going to affect me, in any type of negative way, they're not even taking the chance of this is going to blow my chances in Hollywood. On one well, movie, on one yeah. commercial, and that is where the issue is. If they're not willing to make the sacrifice, if it if it does cost their career to take the stage and say what's right, they're not willing to do it. Well, That's my two. Well, I think what, what's amazing about that and why Charles and David Koch, uh, they've gone against everything conventional. That's what I was yes. going to say. Uh, they have said, we will step out and do this. You have the naysayers. you got the folks that want to hate. And, you know, look, welcome to America. It's the world is full of haters. But for what Charles and David Koch, they're putting their money where their mouth is. Exactly. They're not talking about it. And we say all the time, don't talk to talk, walk to walk. There you go. Because nothing, but we can't get Hollywood to even start talking. Not all of Hollywood, but no one wants to talk to talk. Charles and David Koch are actually in a position to back up what they are saying. And through the research I've done, I'm telling you, I am totally floored with the steps. And Lisa, we again, going back to the video, we can ready to play it, play it for our listeners. The things that, they, one statement, and I'll, I'll share this. They, they said, Mr. Holden said, they found that an ex-felon who they've chosen to take a chance with Seem to be working harder Come on. than the person that never did any time. <laughs> I, I think, and I, you know what? what and his, he says they seem, they don't have a preconceived notion. They don't feel like, oh, they know it already. They feel like this is an opportunity that's, right. that's been given to me. Exactly. Somebody took the time to give me an opportunity and a chance. Charles and David Koch are an example of what that means. Their, their business, Lisa, we talked earlier, one of the largest yes. companies across, the, I have to say, around the world. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, these people are putting people to work, but they're saying, look, and I believe they were also part of the initiative of taking the box off the application. Yes, they took that off. They, they took that off. You. We're not even asking you that. Right. Man, if America could take this example of Charles and David Koch, an industry, and criminal justice reform and the whole package that Charles and David Koch are doing, what a better place we would be as a nation, Cliff. That's right. And, I mean, they were, when they did that, as big as a as a, a uh, corporation as Coke Industries is, I mean, 
um, you know, with all of the people that they employ around the world, you're talking about over 100,000 people worldwide, about 60,000 of those in the U.S. is who Coke Industries employ. Wow. Them taking that step, David and Charles Coke taking that step at Coke Industries caused President Obama to stand up and say, you know what, that seems like a good idea. We need to take that box off of federal employees. When you're a federal employee, you have paid your debt to society. Why is that being held over my head for the rest of my life? You get a felony for something over $500. Okay, you, whatever. Now you have a felony. You cannot vote. You have Mm -hmm. no say in who your president is going to be, who your governor is going to be. You have no say in anything going on. And every time you try to get a job, try to get a job, flipping burgers and they want to ostracize you from that and and treat you like okay you got a felony so you're out to kill all the children that is not every person who made a mistake at 18 19 years old is not out to kill all the children well and to your point uh cliff the bottom line is say i did something wrong i I use this analogy all the time if i go to jc penny i have a twenty five hundred dollar limit on that card I charge that money. They bill me. Once that debt is paid, when I go back to JCPenney to shop, guess what? They're not going to say, well, did you know you owed 2500 two months ago? Right. No. <laughs> Mr. Banks, how are you? Do you want, you want to keep the hangers or you want to throw them away? There is nothing else to say. Exactly. It's never mentioned. You know why? The debt has been, been paid. paid. The issue here, and I think this is what Charles and David Koch have caught on to. If I pay my debt, the arrest should not be on my record. The time I serve should not be on my record. You'll not find on your JCPenney invoice that you owe $2,500 a year later. Do you get the point I'm making? I got the point. The point is clear, ladies and gentlemen. That is the same attitude we must have, except in a far greater sense. That's why the, the return rate to prison is so high. Because every door is shut to get these these uh, prisoners, or, at, at for, former felons or whatever they were in trouble for, back to work. Nobody wants to hire them unless you want to put them in a construction field and break their back. Nobody wants to give them a place to stay because you have a felony. Well, i got to live somewhere. Exactly. This is insanity. It is. You can't, you can't win. We salute Charles and David Koch. And right now, salute. folks, without any further delay, let's go to that interview with Mr. Mark Holden that we did a few weeks ago. And good morning to you. Hi, this is uh, Mark Holden. Hello, Mr. Holden. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. How are you? Uh, doing very, very well. And uh, Lisa? Good morning, Mr. Holden. How are you? Good morning, Lisa. I'm here with um, Melissa Comia from Coke yes. Communications. Good morning. Yes. Hey, good morning, good folks. Good morning. And uh, hopefully you're having a great day. How's the weather out there? It is uh, sunny. It's 68 and sunny. It's 68 and sunny, are you just like San Diego without the ocean. That's right. Are you guys in Cal- Okay, where are you guys at? Uh, Wichita, Kansas. And it's 60, did you say 68 degrees? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a, yeah, tomorrow, though, it snows. Oh, it does? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, enjoy it while you can, I guess. Is the <laughs> Well, folks, we, we appreciate you uh, uh, joining us today, uh, uh, AJC Radio, uh, honoring uh, Charles and David Koch, uh, folks that are out here really doing some big things in criminal justice reform. We're very excited and honored 
uh, as we have done research and, and looked into as an advocacy group what people are doing to make a difference in our criminal justice system, and we are honored to have you folks on our program today. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity. No, thank and you. Thank you and, for and, joining and, us. And we appreciate it. Mark, and, and uh, your resume is, is wow. Uh, that's the best word I can put forward. Uh, uh, serves as Senior Vice President. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mark Holden uh, serves as Senior Vice President, General Counsel and Corporate Secretary of, of Coke Industries. Uh, also President and COO of the Legal Division of Coke Company's Public Sector. Uh, LLC, which provides legal government and public affairs services to Coke Industries. That's a little brief introduction, uh, and it, believe me, folks, it goes a lot further than that. And uh, we are in the presence of a, of a legend, if you will, of, of the work that, uh, that, that uh, Mark Holden is doing, and we appreciate him for uh, joining us tonight. A couple of questions, uh, uh, Mark, uh, if I can go there. Uh, in regards to, the, uh, to Charles and David Colt, to feel the need to be involved with such an important uh, issue as criminal justice reform, what prompted David and Charles to really get involved with this? Yeah, well, hey, Lamont, thanks very much. And uh, I'm, I'm looking around the room to see who you're talking about because no one's ever referred to me as a legend, but I'll, I'll take it where I can get it. So thank you very much. <laughs> you're um, welcome. But in all seriousness, so uh, why are Charles and David involved? And it's really I tee it up three different ways, but the, the first one's the most important one. It's the moral case, uh, because right now our, our criminal justice system is morally indefensible. And Charles and David, Charles in particular, are very focused on helping people improve their lives and removing barriers to opportunity for the least advantaged. And if you look at our criminal justice system, we have created over the past 35 years, and it's been bipartisan from Ronald Reagan to Bill Clinton and Joe Biden, a two-tier society, a two-tier system, um, where if you're wealthy and you're connected, you're going to probably be okay in our system one way or another. And if sure. you're poor, you're not going to be okay. Uh, you may end up at the end of the day being okay, but you're, it's going to be a brutal system for you. And unfortunately, uh, we're at a point in our system where guilt and innocence are largely irrelevant. And that's not just me saying it. It's federal sure. judges, respected federal judges like Jed Rakoff in New York and uh, Judge Kaczynski on the Ninth Circuit in California. Both are concerned that people are pleading guilty to things that they did not do because they cannot afford either financially or just have the wherewithal to fight the government. And so that's wrong, and it's created this cycle of poverty and incarceration that we want to see stopped. We want to, we want to try to provide a platform, a society where everybody can succeed. And if you look at one of the greatest hindrances to people getting ahead in this country, particularly the poor and the disadvantaged, our criminal justice system is at the top of the list. So that's why we're there involved in this fight. Um, you know, the, the system we have now, it is not enhancing public safety. It does not honor the Bill of Rights, and we are not helping or treating people with dignity and respect and as individuals. Um, we're getting a one-size-fits-all, and if you're poor, it's going to not be a good treatment from the time that you uh, get caught up in the system to you're going to be overcharged, you're going to be over-prosecuted, you're going to end up being over-sentenced. Sure. Uh, once you're in prison, you're not going to have programs to better yourself. And then when you get out of prison, you pay your debt to society, you're going to be overburdened by what they call collateral consequences. And there are up to 50,000 
in this country, which are which are government-imposed restrictions on an individual's ability after they've paid their debt to society, and 97% of the people in prison are coming out, but after you pay your debt to society, there are restrictions in place that sure. make it difficult for people to get a job, to get a loan, to get a license, to get an education, to live with their families. It goes on and on, and it just creates this cycle of poverty and despair. And if you look at it, so that, that's the moral case, the constitutional sure. case, deals with the Bill of Rights. Uh, four of the ten amendments in the Bill of Rights deal with criminal justice reform issues. The fourth, fifth, sixth, and eighth amendments, our founding fathers were sending us a clear message that the greatest infringement and threat to life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness would come through the government's criminal justice system. We need to pay more attention to that and honor that. Lastly, real briefly on this issue, there's a fiscal issue. We are spending... $250 billion a year on our criminal justice system from beginning to end. We spend $80 billion a year on incarceration in this country. And a lot of people that are incarcerated are nonviolent first-time drug offenders, nonviolent offenders. We're spending $80 billion a year on incarcerating people who probably could have benefited from a job, drug treatment, a positive path, mental health treatment. That is four times, three to four times more per capita than we spend on educating people in this country. So we're spending $80 billion on incarceration, which is three to four times more than we spend on education in this country. And the numbers go on and on, and, and I'll, I'll stop here, but just one more stat. One in three people in this country, adults, have a criminal record. One in 100 adults in this country are in prison. When you combine the number of adults in prison, with the number of adults in this country who have some type of supervised release or probation, it's one in 31 people. And as many people in this country have a criminal record as those who have a college degree. Wow. And that should tell you everything you need to know about a two-tier society that we've created because of this. And that's what we want to fix, and we're hopeful we can. And, and, and uh, Mark, uh, to that point, uh, which I think is, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous that, that is happening in this country right now. And going to, to your point, I just do a brief, I want to give you a brief comment on that uh, in regards to, like you said, uh, Charles and David Koch uh, felt that, you know, what happens to the, at least the research I'd read, that what happens to the average Joe who may not have the resources, as you're alluding to here, to fight, like you said, the government? Uh, uh, one note, you may want to make a note on this, and I, I honestly believe after reading up on Charles and David, um, that they are concerned, as you are, uh, and as the organization is, about our criminal justice system that has gone away. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, make a note of this, the IRP-6 uh, are the poster child of that type of situation, who were unable to afford attorneys, uh, and the attorneys, the court-appointed attorneys that were given in that case, uh, did nothing. Then it goes to your point that it's kind of like you're going uphill in a battle uh, that seems impossible to win again when you're going again against the government, and this, that is the reason for the need for criminal justice reform. And I, I, I applaud you and, and Charles and David Koch on this because these particular guys had to go pro se. Yeah, and no, well, uh, Lamont, your point, one of the key areas we're focused on, we, we look at all the areas of the criminal justice system that need to be fixed from the number of laws we have in this country that have criminal provisions, we don't even know at the federal level how many they are. They think there are 5,000 or more and hundreds of thousands of regulations. We look at the way that 
prosecutors, not all, but some abuse the grand jury process, loading up uh, charges against individuals that then force them because the next step is they don't have a lawyer or they have a public defender, and public defenders are heroes, but they're so overmatched from a resource perspective. And so you have what we're doing, what we're trying to do. So what that does then is force someone into a settlement or force someone to go it alone against the government, and that's just wrong. And we're, we've been funding a Sixth Amendment indigent defense pro- project with the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers that will hopefully uh, lead to a situation where the Sixth Amendment promise of everybody who's accused of a crime by the state must have a counsel, must have a lawyer to defend them before life, liberty, or property be taken away. Because right sure. now, to your point, you've got the government really overcharging people, and then people can't fight the government, individuals. We've had, if you're wealthy, you can. You can afford it. If you're a big company, you're middle class, you're working class, you're a small business owner, you're, some, you're, you're a young kid in the streets, you're going to get run over. And then that has such a marked impact on the rest of your life, something that you make a mistake early on, nonviolent, whatever happens, but it can define you forever. Because in this country, with all those collateral consequences, once you get out of prison or even if you're on probation, if you've got a felony conviction, the scarlet letter F, and it never washes off, and we make it extremely difficult for people to get back on their feet once they fall down, and that is wrong. We're supposed to be a country of second chances, and that's sure. another reason Charles and David and I and the Cokes and a lot of Coke Industries and a lot of people in, in a broad coalition across the country, across the ideological uh, plane and, and, and perspectives are working on these issues. And that's and that's to be applauded. Uh, definitely, uh, and those are those are key points. And uh, this is something that's of, of extreme importance. And uh, let me uh, let me go to the next question um, that I have for you, Mark. And that is, uh, we noticed that Charles and David Koch um, are are hugely against, at least on the research I've done, uh, the effects of huge government, uh, big big government, uh, and the effects that that type of position, because we have found through our research, the abuse of power that's going on uh, by government officials and government agencies on, in Washington uh, are affecting innocent Americans. What, is, what are the positions of David and Charles on that issue? The, not only the, the problem with huge government, but wherever you've got huge government, you're going to have the abuse of power. Uh, we, we're seeing that to the point that you just made in regards to our judicial system. What is the position of the Koch brothers, uh, Charles and David, on that? Yeah, I mean, well, Charles and David are classical liberals, is how they describe themselves. And their belief, we're, we are not anti-government. Sure. Uh, we, we believe the government has a proper role in society and a necessary role. The problem is we've gotten way out of whack with what it should be. We're very much pro-individual liberty and freedom. So the individual rights need to trump government rights, quite frankly, in a lot of areas. And we're against government getting involved in issues and in different different activities that they're really not supposed to be involved in. I mean, you know, the criminal justice system is a classic example of that. If you look back when our country started, in the Constitution there were three federal crimes identified. It was bribery, or excuse me, counterfeiting, piracy, and treason. So those three, and now we've got the 5,000, 6,000, we don't know, federal criminal laws. There are so many different failed big government programs. And what happens is they're probably good-intentioned one way or another, but they end up uh, 
uh, overspending and over-impacting people's lives and not allowing individuals to make choices for themselves. So sure. we want a society where the individual gets to make their decisions about their lives and everybody has an equal opportunity to succeed. A tolerant society, a civil society, where people, dissenting views are tolerated, consistent with the First Amendment, and individual rights and liberties of all are protected. And so when you look at the, the, the criminal justice system, it is a, at, at bottom, at the end of the day, it is a failed big government program. Oh, and a lot question. of times we've seen failed big government programs, and the response is we need another big government program. But I think what's heartening to us is that the response we're seeing from people on the left, the center, and the right to the criminal justice system and its laws is not a bigger government program. It's cutting back on what government's trying to do, reducing uh, the types of things that can land someone in prison, uh, lessening the sentences potentially for certain offenders, nonviolent offenders, uh, giving them another opportunity, reducing the burdens hopefully on people, returning citizens, ex-offenders, when they try to reenter society and start over, start, start to make it easier for them to succeed after they make a mistake instead of harder. Those are all reactions where people, if they, whether they know it or not, they're saying this big government program isn't working. Let's reduce these burdens. Let's let individuals have a chance when they come back. And one of the things that's very important in the criminal justice system, which is why we've banned the box at Coke, is this is a community effort. We're all in this together in society. And when people come back from prison, they've made a mistake, what they need really more than anything, they need support and they need a job. And so what you see that works is when people come back to a structure where they've got family support or community support and they can get a job. And we ban the box on our application to help assist in that regard uh, because many reasons. One, we're a global employer in a very competitive environment, and we're fighting for the best talent, so it's not fair to us that we would exclude, going back to the statistics I was uh, reeling off earlier, potentially one in three adults in this country because of a criminal record from even applying or having a, an opportunity to apply for at Coke because we want the best people. We want to know the whole person. We're not going to fixate on what they once were or what they once did. We want to know who they are now and what they once did. Everybody makes mistakes. It's just a matter of what kind of mistake and who's around when you make it. And it's something that Brian Stevenson, who is a legendary civil rights lawyer, calls and, or says is, uh, puts very well, is each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. And so Coke, we've decided over the you know, past few years we've always tried to be fair in our hiring practices, but we'll do a background check when we're ready to hire someone, but we want to learn about the person and the individual. And over the years we've hired people with criminal records who are outstanding employees. They're humble. They're hungry. They they're, they're just want to do the right thing, a lot of integrity. And they've succeeded here, and that's great. And then we've hired people who didn't have criminal records, who went to the best schools and had stellar backgrounds, and they were terrible employees. They lacked humility. Some of them lacked integrity. So we don't overly fixate on that issue anymore going forward because we think it's going back to where we started. The government's put all these constraints in place. They need to loosen them. We need to reduce the, the burden of government, particularly in the criminal justice system and other areas for sure. And one way to do that is what the reforms we're talking about. And then the communities, individuals in these communities need to help 
help people reintegrate, get back on their feet, and have a chance at a successful life because it's the right thing to do morally. And more importantly, at some level, if you don't believe the moral case, which I hope everybody does, um, extremely costly, as we've mentioned, to keep people in prison. It's costly societal, costly on families, and economically costly. And it's much better to have someone uh, be able to get out and get a job and have a productive future. A good friend right. of mine here in Wichita, Kansas, named David Gilkey, that runs uh, with his wife, Lynn Gilkey, an organization called Rise Up for Youth. David, um, his, his slogan, his motto is, nothing stops a bullet like a job. And I think that sums it up. Oh, well, you know what? And Mark, I know, I know we, and we're, again, out of respect for your time. And I'm going to just make this brief closing here, if I can. I mean, your words, you know, I don't know if you and Melissa have considered for uh, – uh, Holden and Melissa 2016 for the presidential uh, uh, election of the United States because what you're talking about here uh, can actually revolution a nation. Uh, that type of spirit that you're talking about in regards to uh, giving people, looking at a person and the whole person, that is, un- that is unheard of in our society. And my hat and, and my respect, uh, and I'm sure our listeners, Man, that is some awesome. That's awesome. Absolutely, I think it's to be commended. You don't wow. see, you rarely see people that are willing to give that second chance. They always say that uh, that America is the land of second chances, but it's not everywhere. It's not. And I tell you what, uh, Mark, uh, Melissa, guess what? Uh, the Coke, uh, Charles and David Coke are setting the bar uh, to a high standard. And man, I, I guarantee we're going to see some great things come out of this. And we are just privileged. I will say this, and I give you a chat. A um, I'd say a challenge or something to look into, Mark. Uh, and I and I want you to look into if you want to make a note of this, and we can send it electronically to you as well. Uh, something that I think would interest Charles and David Koch and your organization, because uh, we have a poster child situation. And again, uh, out of respect for your time, I'm going to give you this information, and me, you and I will follow up offline if that's okay with you. Uh, in regard to the IRP6, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it is a huge example of government overreaching, government over-sentencing, as you were talking earlier. And not only that, where the government abused their power, went into this minority-ran organization, pretty much, 12 employees, I believe, uh, that were doing things to keep America safe with software, and they took a position, and they were railroaded by the United States government, as you said, because they didn't have the means to fight the government. They went in with a warrant to get financial records out of the business, and they mirrored every computer in the business, never looked at one stitch or one piece of paper of financial records, uh, attempting, in our contention, uh, is to take and steal software. These actions by government officials and what you're talking about, over-criminalization, Eric Holder made it clear that there are people sitting in prison for no criminal reason, uh, and they're sitting there without cause. I would uh, ask if you wouldn't mind, uh, Mark, take a look at that, uh, and and perhaps you may find something in that case that will even spark David and Charles Koch uh, with some more outrage, if you will. That's good outrage against uh, things that are happening that just America has to stand up and speak against. And it sounds like to me, uh, Charles and David Koch and and yourself, uh, an organization is exactly doing that, and we commend you for that. And if is it okay, we'll follow up with you, Mark, on that. We'll send you the links and information on the IRP6. Would that be okay with you? That'd be great. I appreciate it. Well, let me just and, and Lisa, thank you so much uh, for your time and having us on today. And, and the one thing I'd say is that it's heartening. There, I, I, we see hope because of particularly what's happened in many states in the past 
few years on criminal justice reform, and we're not talking about blue states only. We're talking about deep red states like Texas, Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, South Dakota. They're reforming their systems, and what's happened is their crime rates continue to go down, incarceration rates go down, spending goes down, and you know what goes up? Families reuniting. That goes up. People turning their lives around. That goes up. People... Communities being reinvigorated, and that's so important. And the good news is this is one of those issues when people learn about it, when people hear about it, when they become proximate to it, as Brian Stevenson would say, they do get engaged, they do get involved, and that's left, right, center, you name it, because there's a strong sense of justice in this country. I believe it if people are aware of it. The problem is people get too insulated from things, and it's easy to ignore. You talk about a group and a constituency that's easy to ignore for all of us, but particularly for politicians. It's people who are in prison and their families, because people in prison can't vote. When they get out, they can't vote. And their families, it's usually very poor people, they can't vote or don't vote, and they don't have money to give to politicians. So that's why it's important for all of us, from Charles Koch to everybody across the board, Powerful people, all interests get involved in this, and that's one of the things about the criminal justice reform work that's been so heartening. We've been able to work with groups we haven't been able to work with before, and it's all voices. You know, right. it, it's white people, black people, brown people, you name it. It's rich, poor, in between, business. Everybody's got a stake in this, and I think that if we can show we can get something done in a bipartisan way on this issue, let's sure. work on the other issues that are plaguing us as a country, whether it's Lack of quality education, lack of opportunity. So that's what we're hopeful, and that's what Charles and David want to do. And so we thank you you very much for having us, and please send us that information you referred to. I promise I will, and uh, let Charles and David know that they have a family here at AJC Radio and a Just Cause. And uh, like you said, it's going to take all of us coming together, and we are just thrilled this morning. Uh, for you folks taking time as out of your busy schedules, we, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, take care. Have a good weekend. Enjoy that 68 degrees out there in Kansas today before the storm hits you said, tomorrow. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a good weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. And, all righty. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Uh, awesome, Lisa, as we look at folks that are making a difference. Mark Holden. Vice President, General Counsel to Coke Industries, uh, representing Charles and David Coke. And I tell you, that is something that is so refreshing, and there's no racial divide there. No, there's not. Uh, they are making a difference. Uh, and I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, this is what it's going to take. These folks, Charles and David Coke, uh, very successful men in, in our, uh, our country, uh, set up a platform, if you will, to let the message be known that criminal justice reform is necessary. They have taken those resources, and they are making a difference, and a huge difference, and their message is clear. Uh, This is why we wonder why, Lisa, other folks that have the platform uh, that we have talked about on this program before in Hollywood that refuse to stand up. That's right. uh, Charles and David Koch don't fit that mold. They fit exactly the opposite, making yeah. a difference in our nation in criminal justice reform. And uh, we're grateful that they uh, had an opportunity to come and talk with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back in discussion of Charles and David Koch impacting a nation. We'll be right back.
mother. I am a father. I am a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost, isolated, ostracized, misjudged, terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we, we have, have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We can, we can make, make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Happiness in life isn't based on money or material things. Sometimes it's just about spending time with your family. The Council on Crime and Justice supports families. These families are part of our Family Strengthening Project, which helps families reach their full potential. The Council's mission is to build a community capacity to address the causes and consequences of crime through research, demonstration, and advocacy. The Council on Crime and Justice restores victims, offenders, and the community to create a just and safe society. Hi, I'm an actor, and that qualifies me to talk to you about social issues. And even though my opinion is controversial, I believe that racism is wrong. Now today, what I would like you to do is take a look at your skin color and hug somebody that has a different color skin. We can stop racism together, one hug at a time. Definitely ask permission before you hug somebody. Thank you. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, Life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, 
Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room, to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Well, this week, President Obama has launched a major push to reform the country's criminal justice system. On Monday, he granted clemency to 46 men and women facing extreme sentences, in some cases, life in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. Tomorrow, he's set to become the first sitting president to visit a federal prison. On Tuesday, Obama described what he called a, quote, broken system in an address at the NAACP's annual convention. The United States is home to 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners. Think about that. Our incarceration rate is four times higher than China's. We keep more people behind bars than the top 35 European countries combined. And it hasn't always been the case, this huge explosion in incarceration rates. In 1980, there were 500,000 people behind bars in America. Half a million people in 1980. I was in college in 1980. Many of you were not born in 1980, that's okay. I remember 1980, 500,000. Today, there are 2.2 million. It has quadrupled since 1980. Our prison population has doubled in the last two decades alone. In President Obama's call for an overhaul of the criminal justice system, he also emphasized that the vast majority of prisoners will eventually be released and need more programs to help them reenter society to, and to remove barriers to employment and voting. This week, House lawmakers are holding hearings on the Safe Justice Act, which could accomplish some of these goals. It was introduced by Republican Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner and Democrat Bobby Scott. Uh, on Tuesday, Obama recognized this bipartisan effort. This is a cause that's bringing people in both the houses of Congress together. It's created some unlikely bed bedfellows. You've got Van Jones and Newt Gingrich. You've got Americans for Tax Reform and the ACLU. You've got the NAACP and the Koch brothers. 
No, you got to give him credit. You got to call it like you see it. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we have been honored and we had the privilege as we discuss a very important topic in our nation right now, and that is criminal justice reform. And on the clip there, uh, folks, you're hearing President Obama addressing the issue, the uphill battle, if you will, and the outrageous numbers of why people are coming together. President Obama says people who not don't even get along are coming together and say, look, we have a problem. And you heard the loud applause uh, when he mentioned the NAACP and the Koch brothers. Uh, people know uh, what the Koch brothers, uh, Charles and David Koch, are doing uh, as a result. And we, you've, if you've been with us all evening, you have the opportunity to hear that interview, Lisa, uh, with Mark Holden, uh, Vice President of Operations and Chief Counsel, Lead Counsel to Coke Industries. Um, some of the things that stood out to me on that interview, uh, when he said that it, the cost uh, for the criminal justice system is $250 billion a year for our criminal justice system in yeah. this country. $80 billion a year to incarcerate the folks we incarcerate. $80 billion. If that, that is astronomical That's to ridiculous. me. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I'll tell you what, folks. Give me $1 billion to address the homelessness of this country, to address issues in this country. $80 billion? Just take $1 billion. What can you do? What impact can you have in a society? Dennis, as, as we were listening and tuning in there, and Cliff will bring all of us to get in on this conversation, Charles and David Koch are doing some amazing things here. And it shouldn't be taken lightly what they're talking about. Dennis, what did you get out of that interview with Mark? I, I thought the interview was awesome. I mean, uh, to start looking at what creates our, our, our judicial uh, system, our incarceration system, where does this stem from? And and the way he was talking about education, he was talking about homelessness, he was talking about all these other factors that are outside of incarceration, sure. but will eventually lead to incarceration. incarceration. Absolutely. So he was saying we need to address those issues. We need to look at not only you know those that are that you know that are incarcerated now, but let's prevent people from getting incarcerated. I mean, and I'm telling you, to me that that was an awesome interview. And he speaks, Cliff, as you heard him talking, uh, speaks very much from the heart. I mean, he's saying that look, we threw out the status quo, if you will, of hiring through Coke Industries. We're saying, look, we don't care about that. Let's get to know you as a person. Let's get to know you as an individual. What can you bring to the table? What's amazing to me oh. when he said, "These are." this is what he said. You'll never hear this on the local news. These men from prison who were formerly incarcerated were men of integrity. He said these are men of integrity, hardworking, humble. You don't hear that description when you turn on the news about a felon. How, how amazing is that as we look at the poll picture? of Charles and David Koch, to say we're going to treat you as a human being. Cliff, your thoughts on that? 
Well, basically, what it what you conclude off of what they're talking about. I mean, if you if you look at the fact that uh, what Mark Holden said that look, a lot of times felons have they're they're hungrier for a good job. They're saying, you know, I paid my debt to society. I realize I made some mistakes. Now I want to prove myself that not only to my employer that, hey, I can be an employee, but to myself that, you know what, th- being a felon or committing a crime is not the only road that I have to go down to be able to, to uh, you know, basically provide for my family. I want to prove to myself that I can make it in society. And when you give a person that chance, and like Mark said, you find out who this person is. Like, what do you want to do with your life? It it gives them a whole nother perspective. Then it gives you as a corporation a whole nother perspective. And it should give the American people another perspective to say, look, these are people. They might, we all have made mistakes. And that is what sickens me about the judicial system is that you can pay your debt to society for one mistake that you made. And, and sure, you know, we, we have to pay our debt. We have to be held accountable for the things that we do, but not for the rest of our lives. Like your analogy earlier about, uh, you know, your credit at JCPenney. You don't go back to a person and say, well, you owed us 2500 uh, three months ago. Well, I paid you. Why are you discussing this with me? You know what? I'm going to take my business elsewhere. And that's what that's right. what Mark is saying is that Coke Industries is finding that the, the good quality workers, workers – are sometimes felons or ex-felons. And he's saying we don't want to, you know, undercut ourselves on a good worker just because they have this, as he puts it, quote-unquote, the uh, the magic F on their on their right. application. So that is, uh, that is what I got from it. Is sure. that this is a common sense uh, application of what the law should be. That's, that, that's just awesome. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, we are we are looking at those uh, at those things, and on that conversation uh, with, with Mark is that that is the human spirit of America, exactly. and I believe this is what President Obama was running into when he said these are American citizens. When he took a tour into the prisons and saw these these are lives, mm-hmm. and how how important is it for us as a community, as a country, as corporations, if. If Coke Industries feels a need to say take the box off the application, they're a successful organization. They have a little bit of experience uh, in making a successful business. They're saying to us tonight that they take the time and have hired ex felons. Uh, my understanding from what I read before was that their net $115 billion last year. Right, and they so are taking they felons. are right. It's it's like oh wow, the the whole system gonna, as far as in America it, it gets so sizzled <laughs> that you can't even wrap your mind around. You, you it. cannot. And, and when President Obama said that we have four times the incarceration rate of China, you're talking about a country <laughs> with a billion people. With a billion people, amazing. Okay, we're coming back to that. Go ahead, Cliff. Okay, we have a caller on the line. We have uh, a Grant from Atlanta uh, <clears throat> who wants to make a excuse me wants to make a comment. Or have a question about uh, something we said on the show. Go ahead, A. Grant. You are live. Yeah, thanks for letting me on, guys. Uh, really enjoying uh, listening to what you're talking about. This is a topic that needs to be covered a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only prison reform, but how we think about crime and how we think about punishment. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the idea that you punish someone to the point to where they can't come out and uh, reclaim uh, some sort of uh, respectable life 
actually pushes them back into whatever crime areas they were involved in before and the new things they learned while in jail from better criminals than them, usually. So, yeah, this, this is a huge problem, and the incentives are the worst part of it because we're incentivizing uh, these people to fill the beds within every private prison and, and local county jail, and when you have your incentives out of whack, then the human factor goes out the window. So sure. all of these things have to be addressed. The war on drugs, uh, the, the unemployment rate, that is rising in all these communities all over this country. All of these things have to be addressed, but they have to finally be addressed at the feet of the American worker, the one who decided it's about me, forget about the rest of them. That individualistic mind state is not only not going to get us anywhere, but if you raise your child correctly and perfectly, but then send them off into the world around kids who haven't been raised perfectly, then all of your good work goes right down the drain. So you have to think about this more in terms of the American people and think of yourself as a citizen. So I'm glad y'all are addressing this topic. Now, I got a lot to differ with y'all on those Koch brothers, but, I mean, that that can be for another day. I think the topic okay. is more important than those guys. Uh, but, yeah, right. and, very and, important and, topic. Yeah, we appreciate that, uh, you know, that perspective. But, you know, when you look at, uh, and, and uh, Mr. Grant, we appreciate your call. You look at, you know, we, we take wholeheartedly what you say that this is this is the important topic for right now. When you look at uh, what Mark Holden said, who just did the interview, he said there are 50,000 collateral consequences that happen to people who are ex-felons. I mean, you have restrictions on jobs, loans licenses, housing, education, life as a whole, you have 50,000 consequences from being locked up. And that makes absolutely no sense because you tell a person who you may have paid your debt to society, but you have no chance at ever coming back and being a viable part of society. That is the piece of the puzzle that has to be dealt with. Then we have to take that out and say all these collateral consequences need to be dealt with because you cannot have, I mean, there's like two and a half million people in prison, and what President Obama said is most of them will be getting out at some point. So then what do you do with two and a half million people that have no chance at getting anything, that they're restricted on everything, can't vote, can't do anything else in life except, for the most part, uh, possibly turn back around and commit another crime. And exactly. Important. And right now society is, that's the way it's set up. And right. you, you know what, guys, the thing is, the debt, the way the system is set up right now, they don't allow your debt to ever be paid. That's right. The bottom line right. is you say your debt's paid. No, they don't allow your debt to be paid. They hang it over your head and it follows you around like a, a cloud hanging over your head. Everywhere you go, this debt that never gets paid off. You pay and you pay and you pay and it's never just paid off. It's never paid in full. It's never done. You have it. You carry it with you the rest of your life. And that's what they've got to change is that the debt can't get paid off. They won't remove it. They leave it hanging over you for the rest of your life. Well, and I'll tell you right now, uh, down to, you know, and again, it's not about agreeing or disagreeing uh, with the positions of uh, the Koch brothers on a whole, on an, on, an, on an entire situation. One thing is to be clear. They are doing something to change the situation and to change the environment in which uh, people have come into that makes it unfair. Uh, whether you agree with them or disagree or whatever, one thing is to be is to be very clear on. Uh, they took the time to get behind to take the box off the application for their corporation to say we're not looking at that, 
And you cannot argue with that fact. You can't argue with the fact that these Charles and David Koch, of what Mark is saying their vision is, helps the American people. And it, does. it helps every class of people. It helps. It, it brings attention. And that's what they said out of the beginning, that if they went through what they went through personally and they came to the conclusion what if I'm an average person that does not have the resources to fight? Thus, you lost. And, and that's what he said. This is where it was born, or the vision or the passion of Charles and David Koch is that we want to get put ourselves in the position of what the average Joe may go through. And how can we help them? Because we have the resources, but they may not. How do we give a solution to that situation? That is to be commended whether you agree or disagree uh, with the in entire uh, issue where Coke uh, Industries is concerned. So uh, uh, the point, uh, Cliff, uh, the caller, uh, well taken uh, of what's important and what needs to happen. Uh, but I believe that uh, these, are, these are issues that, that stand out to us uh, that, that make a whole lot of sense. And I think, as Lisa said, this is a lifelong issue that hangs over the heads of, of felons when they get out. And you know what? They shouldn't even be able to reference them as a felon exactly. once released because, again, the debt has been paid. Exactly. And, and when you look at what Mark Holden said during his interview, uh, he said that most people, and, and we know it to be a case. I mean, these uh, prosecutors have like a 98, 99% uh, success rate because most people plead guilty. And the reason that he gave, I mean, and, and they've done their research, he said that they plead guilty because they cannot afford to fight the judicial system. Now, I'm innocent, but there is a there's a cloud hanging over my head that if I don't plead guilty and I try to fight the system, I'm going to get, end up getting more time. So where that leaves the poor and the underprivileged, uh, from what Mark said, is they get overcharged, over-prosecuted, over-sentenced, and that leads to those 50,000 collateral consequences for the rest of your life. Wow. You have this over your head. And you're talking about people who never committed a crime. Then they come out. They have no recourse, and then what do they do? They end up turning to a life of crime, and that is the biggest tragedy sure. uh, overall. Got to break situation. the cycle. Got to yeah. break it. Well, I think the tragedy, even beyond that point, which we haven't even touched on tonight, these are folks who are guilty. What about the innocent? Exactly. That sit behind, that raises the level to a far higher level. Not only do the people that were guilty get out and don't that their heads held against them, that should be a red carpet rolled out That's right. for those who have set wrongfully. They should be treated as royalty when they get out. They shouldn't have to fight for anything exactly. because they paid a debt they didn't know. Analogy is, I the, I got a gentleman standing behind me in a department store and he has a bill to do of three thousand dollars. I pay it for him. Well, you. What consequences could possibly come to me? But in our justice system, the RP6 are paying a debt they don't owe. Do you get that, ladies and gentlemen of America? You would, just like you wouldn't even begin to tolerate a bill given to your house with somebody else's bill and say you are required to pay it. You would be outraged, am I right? Yes, oh, yes. Yes, right. Wait, wait, wait a minute, there's some mistake. Get on the phone, honey. Get, can you call the bank? There's an issue. The reason that is because nobody pays someone else's debt. But our justice system has taken such a low, has stooped to such a low, they're making 
innocent people responsible for the guilty. That doesn't make an ounce of sense to me. The RP6 fall under that and thousands and countless others who have gone to prison wrongfully. There has to be something done. A fight has to happen. A stand must be taken. And at AJC Radio, we intend to take that stand in a just cause to fight. We say bring the message of justice. We're looking for Lady Justice. And right now, I'll tell you right now that these things are not going to change. They're not going to change unless we get involved. And people, again, Charles and David Koch say, you know what? We have the resources to do something. We send a plea out to every person in America. I don't care whether you're a multimillionaire or whether you go to McDonald's at 4 a.m. and unload a truck. We need the American people to come together and to say, look, injustice is injustice. Exactly. And uh, I'll tell you right now, Lisa, as we uh, begin to examine the justice system, as we begin to dive into these things, what stands out the most to, 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 to us as we talk about the RP6? And I'll tell you right now, because uh, we're getting ready to go into a segment here uh, in a few moments uh, after on the other side of the break, uh, what you didn't know about the RP6 case. Uh, this show and every show that we do is dedicated to the RP6 uh, of uh, RP Solutions. They were six IT professionals wrongfully convicted, uh, and we are getting the word out about their wrongful conviction, the violation of due process, the violation of the Constitution. The viol- I mean, violation after violation after violation. Where six men now sit in prison again as we start another year, but we fight for their freedom. They are David Banks, Gary Walker, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, and David Sopolo, and they are innocent. And what I'm learning here, you know, as, 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 as Mark Holden said, uh, that he met men within Coke Industries who were men of integrity. Well, I can tell you right now, the RP6 fit that mold as well, and they are men of integrity, and they have been wrongfully done. We're going to dig into that, and the perpetrators of justice who put them there and we fight for their freedom. We're coming back on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio as we bring the message of justice all around the world. We're coming back. We'll be right back. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse 
cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. is very much concerned with our justice system, and he wants to spend a considerable amount of time and money in reforming it in 2015. No, thanks, Scott. Now, if this sounds crazy to you, it's actually not that crazy. First of all, he had an experience with the justice system that he didn't like, so once he had to step out of his comfortable little bubble, he realized, oh, there's something broken here. Maybe I should do something to fix it. Secondly, he is considered a libertarian, and libertarians are very much concerned with uh, fixing our criminal justice system. So we had this interview with the Wichita Eagle, Wichita Eagle, and uh, here's what he said. Uh, first of all, he's reflected on his own experiences. Back in 2000, he was facing 97 counts of environmental crime. Okay. 97. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the end, uh, Coke Petroleum actually settled. All charges were dropped except for one of them. He didn't like how the process worked, and he realized hey, you know what, if I have all these resources and I'm able to get out of this situation, what about the little guy? Because that's really what the Koch brothers are concerned about, the little guys, right? Mm -hmm. According to Koch's uh, chief counsel, Mark Holden, the case made the billionaire industrial wonder how the little guy who doesn't have Koch's resources deals with prosecutions like that.
And there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight, I'm Lamont Banks, joined by, with, uh, joined, joining me, rather, is Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. Got a little tongue-tied there. Welcome back to the program, folks. It's been a humdinger tonight as we have dealt into the world of criminal justice reform, and as you heard on the clip, honoring and showing, bringing attention to the American people about Charles and David Koch, who are passionate advocates, if you will, of bringing criminal justice reform to this nation. Uh, and as the uh, young lady alluded to, uh, that this was based out of an experience, uh, Dennis, that uh, was uh, gone through uh, and basically came out of that experience saying, what can we do for the little man? Uh, I believe life experiences take us down that road for a reason, and they seem it seemed to have had an impact on Charles and David Koch, and they are doing everything they can to get the message of judicial reform out. And we want to take a moment tonight, uh, some closing remarks uh, uh, from you folks uh, on uh, Mark Holden and what Charles and David Koch are doing. Closing thoughts, uh, Dennis, on, on what they're uh, attempting to do here in this country. Again, I say it's awesome. I mean... Uh, when you when you're going to take resources, uh, and we got to be realistic, a uh, uh, big part of that resource is money, and sure. it takes money uh, to reform a justice system such as uh, what we have, and they're willing to do that, and then to bring the different groups, uh, regardless of their position, but to bring them together because they all have the same type of position on uh, judicial reform is, is awesome in itself. Uh, tonight, I would just like to say I'd like to convene. Uh, you know, the Koch brothers, because it, it's awesome what they're doing. No, absolutely. Cliff, your thoughts on, as we have shown the light and brought information on this very important issue that seems to be making, get, definitely getting traction across the country. I think I mirror what uh, Dennis says. You know, you have to commend uh, Charles and David Koch on the stands that they take, on the fact that they're putting their money where their mouth is, and that they really are looking out for the little man. I mean, when Charles Koch, when he realized that Hey, this this would not work if I was not if I didn't have the money that I had. This doesn't work for the little man, and the system is against uh, you know the the poor and underprivileged, and something needs to be done about it. And he put his money to work to uh, ensure that that happens. And then you can do nothing but commend uh, he and his brother, and uh, also Mark Holden for taking the stand that they take. No, oh, absolutely, Lisa. Your thoughts on it? Well, I think what they're doing is awesome. I think it's it. I think it takes a lot. Uh, in this day and age to stand up and say that we're going to do something that no one else is doing. And they're doing it without, without hesitation. They're doing it without, uh, without any reservation. Uh, they're just, t- just stepping out there and doing what's right by, by just the ev- regular everyday people. And I think that that takes a lot uh, of courage to do that. And I just like Dennis and Cliff said, you, comm- you commend them for that because not everyone's willing to take that stand. And it's just an awesome thing that they're doing. Oh, absolutely. And well-spoken there, Lisa. I'll tell you what folks, of America as we come down to the conclusion here shortly the last segment of our program uh, we want to take a moment and thank Mark Holden Vice President of Operations and uh, Council to Coke Industries for taking time tonight uh, and and for speaking to us and and being so gracious and kind to share the message of judicial and criminal justice reform and the vision of Charles and David Coke. It was a pleasure having them and we thank you for uh, coming on the program tonight. Now we turn the segment to the RP6, you know, you hear that phrase every week on this program. 
you may ask the question, why is it so important about the IRP-6? What is going on here? And I'll tell you right now, folks, it is important because as a result of the injustice that took place for these six men, and it was a grave injustice, a miscarriage of justice, we d- that is the purpose and that is the reason we do what we do to bring the message of justice and to expose corruption wherever it is found. In the IRP-6 case, it was found overwhelmingly in every stage of the criminal justice uh, process, if you will. Corruption was at every door. Who are the IRP-6? They have names. They have families. They have visions. They have passions. And they lay tonight on a buck in federal prison wrongfully. Who are they? David Banks, Gary Walker, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, and David Serpolo. And tonight we start the segment, What You Didn't Know About the IRP-6. And we talk tonight and we turn the focus, Dennis Cliff Lisa, to a very important issue that is critical in criminal defense cases. And it's one little word that comes with great power. And it's intent. Intent was never allowed in the case with the RP6 on the defense side. For the prosecution, they were allowed to say it was the intentions of the IRP-6 to defraud and to commit a crime. But when asked, uh, when the judge was asked to allow the defense to defend that theory, they were denied. When you think of that, so on one case you say to me, uh, on one case you say to me, uh, intent can't be allowed, but the prosecution can use it. How much sense does that make? So someone can make an accusation, but I'm not allowed to defend it. Intent is critical. It is the difference between capital murder and manslaughter. It is the difference between first-degree murder and second-degree murder. Intent says I set out to plan, pre-plan, premeditate, and act to commit a crime. That's why they'll ask you in the court of law, this is what they say. Mr. Banks, Mr. Merritt, Mr. Stewart, Ms. Stewart, you willfully, willingly, feloniously set out to commit this crime. We are giving you what, it, what we believe happened. Is that correct? That you willfully, with the intent to commit a crime or to break the law. That's in every court proceeding in this country. Yes, it is. Why, why then? Was it not allowed in the RP6 case? Because I'll tell you right now, there was no intent. Without intent, there is no conviction. Dennis, your thoughts on that? I was just reading uh, the definition of uh, intent. It says in criminal law, the concept of criminal intent has been called mens rea, which refers to criminal or wrongful purpose. If a person innocently causes harm, then he or she or he lacks mens rea and under this concept should be not be criminally prosecuted. There you go. And that is so, that is so simple. Simple. You can't, you can't get no clearer that, than that. That is what gets you about the law in its gray area because the law, it should be black and white. 
if you say, okay, mens rea says I had no intent in committing a crime. If I ended up doing something wrong but never intended to, there's no crime committed. Exactly. I maybe pay a fine. Absolutely. I say, okay, you're on probation. Make sure you don't do anything like that again. But to convict someone without it and say without intent, there is no crime. That is what is so crazy. There was no intent, so there was no crime committed. Exactly. It was a mistake. It was uh, I, I did some. I never had the intention of defrauding, of scheming anybody. So then you never did it. You made a mistake. Let's put you on probation and make sure you understand what's going on. So something well, like this doesn't happen. Well, well look in the RP six case. It doesn't even come down to a mistake, right? Because in the RP six case, because nothing happened for one. But secondly, it was a simple. Case. Exactly. And and Judge Arguello would not allow them to give their intent on our intention as businessmen, as exec, businessmen, as executives of our corporation was to develop, market and sell a product just like any other company. Now, if you take that and you don't let me spell that intention out, but then the prosecutor gets to say your intention from day one was to defraud a staffing company. Well, why can I not rebut the prosecutor exactly right. with what my intention? My intention is to develop, market, and sell a product just like any other company, make money, pay my debt, and move along with the rest of my life. And here's one point that's critical to know, that David Banks presented the judge and said, Your Honor, we would like the opportunity to let the jury know what intent means. Now, this is a request that a second grader, third grader, Elementary school, junior high, could what we want to tell the jury, because the jury are not scholars exactly. of the law. So what we'd like to do, Your Honor, and I say that loosely, Miss Arguello, we say we'd like to tell the jury what the definition of intent is, and then let them decide if intent was really what they believe. The what they believe. Was. What they believe. What the intent was. She denied that. She gave it a partial definition of intent, but that's not enough when you're talking about the totality of the circumstances when you have the prosecutor slamming everything out of his mouth is what the RP6 intended to do, what they set out to do, what they premeditated to do. But then she said that defining intent would confuse the jurors. Now, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Mr. Merritt just read the definition of intent. There was nothing to understand there. It was I clear. I don't think anybody here is confused. Yeah, there's no confusion. But there's no confusion. The confusion is, is how are you sitting on the bench, Judge Aguayo, and you leave out this fact? Because intent was not allowed for one reason. It, it means a... acquittal. Exactly. That's it right. Would acquitted him. Period. So don't give the acquittal. We cannot allow intent. But Mr. Prosecutor, Mr. Matthew Kirsch, Go ahead and you have a long leash. Leash. Is it leash? leash? That's right. You said it right. <laughs> leash. So do what you want to do and prejudice this jury even further. So all they hear when they go into deliberations is Matthew Kirsch, uh, uh, U.S. attorney, saying this is what these men intended to do. Well, this raises question because in the first grand jury, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. David Sapolo gave information yes, he did. about exactly what the intent of the IRP-6 was. Now, it tells you the power of intent. As a result of that information being reviewed by the grand jury, guess what? Came back with a no-bill. It came back with a no-bill. So that tells you the power 
of intent. So once they showed the grand jury, the big boys of juries, if you will, what the intent of the RP6 was, they said, absolutely not. We can't come back with, a, with, a, with, a, with an indictment. And guess what? Judge Aguero was aware of that. Matthew Kirsch was aware of that. John Walsh was aware of that. That tells you right there the discrepancy. Why was intent so important? It was proven in the grand jury selection when they came back with no indictment because they were able to see and hear what the intention of the RP6 was. But nobody takes the time to take a look. This is, ladies and gentlemen of America, this is what you didn't know about the RP6 case. And as a result of this, we have six men. Innocent men. Innocent men. Pillars of their community. Warriors. Of, of the nation Served in, the, in armed services I mean these are people that have done things To make America, to contribute To America, they had jobs They were contributing to the economy They have families And because a judge decides to throw out Protocol And the constitution to convict These six men Someone, Lisa, has to be held accountable For that That's right. Somebody must answer for that And folks uh, we are not here. But this and it is uh, every side of intent to be brought into the to the trial was shot down by this judge. And it was exploited by the prosecution. And the prosecution knew they had something to stand on because if the judge ain't gonna intent, man, got Good. this. That's a tragedy. It's a sickness, and it needs to be attacked. And I'll tell you right now, folks, what you didn't know about the RP6 is this was only one minute thing going to the intent issue. The intent issue would have been confirmed by uh, Cliff, who was the gentleman that uh, uh, was working for the application for 30 years that was allowed to testify. Would have really to the intent of the But on and corner and say that nothing, none of the way of ordinary that show that there was that. Staffing company convicted of a crime. With that, but as we all that there has been dead. What you do either someone writes that off, which they do a lot in staffing companies, and Mr. Alvarello, he, he, uh, but it is a part of going into business with somebody. But that does not mean that they intended to. Well, here's what that makes sense. They were in talks with the Inspector General, David Banks, one of the RP6, was in talk with the Inspector General's office. Is that correct, uh, Cliff? Yeah. For the, for the software. Well, that speaks to intent right there. He's on a plane. He's in Philadelphia 
negotiating and talking about different software that you develop. And if that doesn't say the pen, I don't know what does. Your attention is part of the plan. You're in their office. Stores in the software. What do you mean? These are things that are very, very important that have to be dealt with. And ladies and gentlemen of America, it doesn't take you to be a genius. Understand very clearly, it's common sense. If if you explain something to someone, it'll confuse them. That makes absolutely no sense in the world. It, it, it is it is it is mind boggling uh, that. Uh, this is even happening in American in the American court system. This is what blows your mind. So when you get to research and dig, it doesn't take much digging. It's clear on from the surface that this this was a lynching. This was a modern day lynching, and there's no other way to say it, folks. The bottom line is the IRP set set out with a vision for this country and to keep the homeland safe. And one judge decided she was going to do what she wanted to do and take out Ron LeGrand, former counsel, House of Representatives of the Judiciary Committee of Congress, said intent is critical to the process of any criminal defense. Congressman Simpson, Lisa, when we went to Washington, he was on the task force of, of judicial criminal justice reform and said intent is critical. It is, it is, must have a criminal case, and their position was that we must hold judges and prosecutors accountable who refuse to do it. Well, this is not something that is a to the AJC, to AJC, to a just call, to the IRP6. This is known across the nation. Anybody with judicial sense and, 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 and uh, integrity, if you will, you don't can't even, can't even proceed to trial without the elements of the case. What was the motive? What motive? There was no motive. There was no intent here other than to do one thing. Keep America safe. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious business here in the IRP-6. You asked the question. I asked this to you at the beginning. Why is the IRP-6 so important? We've just scratched the surface. This is what you didn't know about the arms. Six things. Day after day. Month after month. Holiday after holiday. Sits in a prison cell. Wrongfully. For the action of God. Must be held It is time to speak out. Lady Justice, where are you? We're in need for justice. And I'll tell you what. We will continue to fight to bring justice. We fight for the release of the RFC. They are David Banks, Gary Walker, Clinton Stewart, Kendrick Parker, Kendrick Barnes, and Dave Chipotle. It's written. I want to say thank you to our uh, guest tonight, Mark Holden of uh, Coke Industries. also want to say thank you to our production. We have Captain Justin Jackson helping out in Skills Girl in the control room, making sure that you hear what it is that we have. Also, to the production support team, they bring us access 
get information so that we can pass it on to you. And to the truth, we know you're out there, and we appreciate it. Okay, and thank you for that, Cliff. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, close the segment on what you didn't know about the RP6, there are perpetrators of justice uh, that are responsible for these men sitting behind bars uh, as a result of their actions. We named one person. That one person is Christine Aguayo. Lisa, you have a list of those that are perpetrated who appear to be uh, masters of justice, at least to the view, to the front, to the outside. But these are perpetrated, ladies and gentlemen. Lisa, who are they? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, U.S. Attorney Sabita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Eric Park, Federal Judge R. Brookjack, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Cornfield, Attorney Mark Garrigo, Susan Holland of UCI Professional, and Samuel K. Thurman. And thank you for that, Lisa. Folks, if you're wondering, if you happen to just turn on the radio, you missed a humdinger tonight. If logged in, I'll tell you right now, we are dealing with criminal justice reform. We're dealing with perpetrators of justice. We're dealing with every matter of injustice that affects the nation. And I'll tell you right now, folks, it is high time. It is 2016. It is an election year. We march towards the corridors of a new president as we elect members of Congress that will make decisions in regards to what we have talked about tonight. It is very important that, as and again, we are in January, but I'll tell you what, November will be here before you know it is we have to go to the ballot boxes and vote uh it is important that you take a trip no matter how cold it may be in your geographic location to vote for change and to pay attention very clearly to what needs to happen in this country and criminal justice reform the fight with isis uh the things that face a nation that are of huge consequence if we don't get it right it's very very important uh, that we do that. And I'll tell you right now, Lisa, Cliff, Dennis, as we have uh, dove very limited to what we have talked about tonight in regards to Charles David Polk, to the, it all ties together into criminal justice reform. The poster child of the major problems that this country faces, I believe, are the RP6. And I have been told, and this is what I've heard, it's one of the most horrific stories of injustice in our time and I believe that to be the case uh, Dennis your thoughts on that as we close out on this I agree 100% what's done to the RP6 will ring and ring and ring America finds out they were truly neat absolutely and uh, we will continue as I said earlier the fight for justice this is AJC Radio as we bring the message of justice whether popular, whether accepted, whether controversial, we will address the issues that affect the nation. This is Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and the whole AJC radio team saying good night. 
And as we march forward for justice, we'll see you next time. Take care. Promised land. Oh,